In the name of our one God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Now is the time of year that many, uh, including myself, having completely missed the message of Christmas, uh, start thinking about plans to make changes in our lives uh, in the coming year. And recently, one of the things that we do over the Christmas holidays is uh, uh, we go ice skating with nieces and nephews and their children and all the extended family. And after this uh, time of ice skating, we were sitting around a barbecue lunch at Johnny Ray's with onion rings the size of Saturn's rings, uh, and any time you're, you're gathered around that type of, of healthy lunch, the discussion inevitably turns to um, fitness plans, uh, sort of uh, total 30 um, changes in diet and how we're going to start our program uh, very soon, or at the very least the beginning of the year. And, and I find myself uh, sucked into and drawn um, into that. Uh, I graduated uh, from college at 155 pounds uh, and uh, now find myself slightly north of that in the way that um, New York is slightly north of Birmingham. Uh, and so I'm kind of along with everyone else. It's going to be it's going to be different. I'm going to join in. And we talked about the various plans that we would undertake to bring uh, this change in our lives. And, and my problems are myriad. Among them uh, is, of course, a lack of, of willpower to start with. But beyond that, it's my basic optimism. Uh, and typically, that's a good thing. But the problem in this instance with optimism is that I'm sure that I'm going to change very soon. Uh, that, you know, perhaps not today, perhaps not next next week, uh, but despite all of the history of proof otherwise, there is that optimism that, that things are going to change and I'm going to be able to bring changes um, in my life. And all of those things uh, that I'm talking about, and, and the words of Olaf, they're all good things, all good things, however, um, they are not sufficient. And the real thing that I hope to tell you right now is this, is that even if uh, you and I make changes in our lives, even if we have some moderate success in those efforts uh, in the year to come, if we live healthier and if we get better sleep uh, and if we uh, are kinder and more generous towards uh, other people, all of these things uh, will never make us new. Uh, and all of these best intentions and all of these best attempts, not only will they never make us new, but they will never begin to reach the places in our lives that we so desperately long to have reached. Uh, they won't bring any sort of lasting change. They will not bring new life to you and to me. And, and let me ask you, if we accomplish a slightly better version of who we are now, uh, is that really enough? Uh, is that sufficient to uh, bend our will in such a way that we accomplish a slightly better version of ourselves? 
Uh, and there is within all of us these yearnings and these longings, what Paul describes in his letter to the Romans as the groanings of this present age. Uh, and I'd like to say to us this morning that there is actually something helpful uh, in those learnings. There is actually something helpful in that inherent dissatisfaction um, in our lives. And, and that is this, and, and drawing us out of ourselves and drawing us to begin to search, there is the possibility in our search to be found by the one who first searches for us. And so the first point that I hope to make this morning is this, is to say that the answers uh, and the change and the new life that we long for are not found within ourselves. Uh, those things are not found by looking um, within ourselves. And the desire to fix ourselves, the desire uh, to save ourselves, and our repeated attempts to do so is the foundational bankrupt notion of the human condition. Uh, that it's going to be different. That this time we're going to be able to fix ourselves. This time we're going to be able to change ourselves. This time through our efforts things are going to be different and things are going to be new. Uh, and uh, while that might sound like a broken record, uh, repetitive, the soup du jour of the day, as I say that uh, again and again and again, it's a song that we need to hear again and again and again because repeatedly we consciously or subconsciously fall into these attempts um, to fix ourselves and to change ourselves, or if not ourselves, uh, to fix or to change the people we love that are around us or to fix or change the people around us that, that we don't love. Uh, and then the question is, what do we do uh, when we have another failed attempt? Uh, what do we do when we're unsuccessful once again um, to change them or to change ourselves? Do we fall into those words which Thoreau spoke uh, so many years ago? Do we fall into that mass of men leading lives of quiet desperation? And what I would like to say to that is this, to this line of thought, to these attempts to make ourselves new. The prologue of John's gospel lands like a most welcome bombshell, obliterating all of our notions of self-salvation, shining, in fact, an unconquerable light into the darkness of our lives, proclaiming liberty and new life, proclaiming truth to lead and to guide us holding out to us the promise of grace upon grace visited to us. All these phenomenal blessings uh, are extended to you and to me. And what we are told, it's the beginning of an introduction. And it's not an introduction to ideas or intentions. Uh, it's an introduction to a person. It is an introduction to Jesus to the one who will, in fact, make these words effectual, to the one who will, in fact, make these words true, to the one who will bring these things that we look and that we long for in our lives, the one who alone is able to accomplish them. Uh, and so there is a, a rightful optimism in our lives, but that optimism is not an optimism which is founded in ourselves, but it's an optimism, it's a certainty, it's a surety, it's a hope, which is founded in what God has revealed to us uh, in Jesus. 
because in Jesus we see that God um, steps from timelessness into time. He steps into his creation. He comes into yours and my lives that we might, in fact, be made new, that we might, in fact, be made children of God, that we might, in fact, be restored in the words of the prophet Isaiah, that we might be clothed with his salvation. Uh, He comes forth um, into the world. And it's not accidental that the words which are used, that the imagery which is used is reminiscent of Genesis. They are words that are reminiscent of the creation, uh, of God's uh, effectual word, of God speaking a word that is in fact made uh, a reality, of God's ability to create uh, and bring order, to create and bring new life. We hear again, um, not simply the echo of that, but the fulfillment and the final fulfillment of that uh, in Jesus. God's effectual word which comes into the world um, to make us new, to restore us, to reach us in a way in which nothing else can. In C.S. Lewis's book, uh, Miracles, there is uh, a powerful description of the Incarnation. It's one I I recently shared in my adventure word. Um, For those of you who read it, uh, I'll repeat it because this is the important part. Uh, For those of you um, who missed it, um, you're welcome. Um, Here it is now, the part that that you needed to hear from the beginning. But in his book, Miracles, C.S. Lewis speaks of the miracle of the Incarnation, what uh, John describes in this prologue, that in fact the Word, the eternal Word, the living Word of God, uh, took on flesh uh, and made His dwelling among us. Uh, And in his description of the Incarnation, Lewis captures the amazing truth, uh, the hard-to-believe truth, that in you and me, God saw something precious something desirous of rescuing, uh, that he comes forth actually to rescue and to redeem us. Uh, And C.S. Lewis in Miracles writes that God and Jesus has come to lift the whole mess up. And he writes these words. In the Christian story, God descends to reascend. He comes down from the heights of absolute being into time and space, down into humanity, down to the very roots and seabed of the nature he has created. But he goes down to come up again and bring the ruined world up with him. One has the picture of a strong man stooping lower and lower to get himself underneath some great complicated burden. He must stoop in order to lift. He must also disappear under the load before he incredibly straightens his back and marches off with the whole mass swaying on his shoulders. Or one may think of a diver, first reducing himself to nakedness, then glancing in midair, then gone with a splash, vanished, rushing down through green and warm water into black and cold water, down through increasing pressure into the death-like region of ooze and slime and old decay, then up again, back to color and light, his lungs almost bursting till suddenly he breaks surface again, holding in his hand the dripping, precious thing that he went down to recover. He and it are both colored now that they have come up into the light. Down below, where it lay colorless in the dark, he lost his color too. 
that amazing, that, that powerful, that beautiful description of the incarnation, that uh, which John uh, sketches out in the prologue to his gospel, the fact that the Son of God would come into the world uh, and that the world would receive him not. Uh, what Lewis speaks of about his having, losing, having lost his color uh, on yours in my behalf, but those words which are spoken, but for those uh, who would receive him, uh, he gives the right to become children uh, of God, children born in such a way uh, that we never die, children born in such a way um, that we are restored and made his um, forever. God gives an effectual word and the gift of Jesus, his son, willingly coming into time that we might be rescued, that we might, in fact, um, be made new. For those of us um, who are uh, experiencing darkness in our lives, he speaks an effectual word that the light has shined in the darkness and that the darkness cannot uh, overcome it. Um, to those of us who are experiencing the feelings of pain or rejection um, or loneliness, we hear that he has shared in that as he came forth into the world and yet uh, the world received him not. He came to his own but his own did not recognize him. Uh, for those of us um, who are uh, alone and lonely uh, and longing uh, for someone, we hear that Jesus came into the world and made his dwelling among us, uh, that we might be known by him, that we might, in fact, be his. For those who are burdened with shame and guilt uh, and brokenness uh, and addictions and so many things which grip our lives, and feel isolated by it. We hear that amazing word that in Jesus we have been visited with grace upon grace from the work of God coming into our world and into our lives in Jesus his son. I pray that for you and for me as we begin this new year that rather than looking within ourselves for answers, rather than looking within ourselves for change and hope and the new life and new beginnings that we so rightly long for, that we might be drawn to the one who in fact accomplishes that for us. We are given more than a plan. We are given a person. We are given the person, Jesus Christ, the eternal God um, who comes into the world um, that we might be restored, that we might be redeemed, uh, that we might be made new, that we might be his children, that we might be people for whom the light shines in our darkness and the darkness can never overcome it. And as we hear that this day, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we pray, draw our hearts and our minds to you. Draw our spirits uh, and our wills that we might, most gracious God, be made new in the final and full work of Jesus, your Son, who came into the world to rescue and redeem us, who accomplished that through his cross and resurrection, who has adopted us as his sons and daughters. Fill our hearts and our minds with the amazing message of your gospel, that in fact our lives would be made new. And this we ask in the name of Jesus, your Son. Amen.